Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies. Romans 10:17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Over the next several minutes, you're going to hear an important message directly from God's Word and have your faith and knowledge increased. All you have to do is listen. Now, here are your teachers. Hi, everybody. I'm Jordan Pine. Thanks for joining us. And I'm Andy Balog. Let's get right into it. Today we're going to be studying a portion of scripture where the Apostle Paul makes a shocking statement. The word of the cross is foolishness. Let's take a look and see what he had in mind. Join us now as we listen to the word of God. First Corinthians chapter one, verses 18 to 21. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us, who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. 1 Corinthians 1, 18-21 There are many ways to preach or teach from these scriptures. One obvious way is to use this passage to answer a question that every apologist has asked. An apologist is someone who offers an argument in defense of something controversial. A Christian apologist, therefore, defends the controversial message of the gospel to unbelievers. If you ever try to talk about the Bible with an atheist or someone who is firmly rooted in another religion, you know how frustrating that can be. Well, the Apostle Paul tells us why in these verses. To them, the wisdom of God and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ sounds like foolishness. And he goes further. He says, God is well pleased by this. Why? Because he wants us, his creation, to humble ourselves and realize that for all of our accomplishments, for all of our cleverness, we know nothing in comparison to him. And brothers, it is only in that humility we can truly hear him and believe in him. That said, it is not this great message we want to focus on today. It's the curious verb tenses of this passage. Paul writes, The word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing and the power of God to us who are being saved, not those who are saved already or were saved. And we'll see this is very critical to understanding the true meaning of these verses. But first, let's begin, as we always do, with the SPACE method. SPACE is an acronym. The SP stands for speaker, A for audience, C for context, and E for explanation. We created this acronym because we believe it's critical to consider these things before attempting to interpret Scripture. Let's use the space method here. The speaker is the Apostle Paul. Verse 1 says, Paul called as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. 
Paul reminds his readers, as he does in most of his letters, that he has the full authority of true apostleship of Christ Jesus. Apostle means one sent on a mission. In this context, sent by Jesus to give a message. Jesus himself was also an apostle. We see that in Hebrews 3.1. He was an apostle of God sent to earth to give a message to Israel. The message? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's Matthew 3.2. All the disciples became apostles of Jesus Christ at the Great Commission. And you can see that in Mark 16.15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. But remember, they did lose one, Judas, the false disciple. So in Acts, Peter established rules of apostleship. They boiled down to being personally taught by Jesus and a witness of his death and resurrection. So by these standards, they chose Matthias to replace Judas after casting lots amongst each other. But Jesus had other plans. He chose Paul on the road to Damascus, appearing to him and temporarily blinding him. In a vision to another believer in Damascus, Jesus said that Paul was his, quote, chosen instrument to carry his name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. And that's in Acts 9, 15. The audience is the church at Corinth. Paul founded and pastored this church himself, so these were Christians firmly rooted in proper doctrine. Why is that important? Well, because some make the mistake of taking the verses we are studying today and trying to apply them to other audiences, for example, the unsaved, or maybe the uncertain. But they were written to save people and for save people, a well-educated save people at that. That said, they were facing several challenges that all the early churches faced and were backsliding. Very good. So now let's move on to context. This is a time of internal divisions and external influences. Paul writes in the verse before our scripture reading, starting in verse 10, Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now I mean this, that each one of you was saying, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas and I am of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So those were the internal divisions. As far as external influences go, Corinth was a Greek city, and this was when Greek philosophy was at its pinnacle. Paul writes in verse 22 that, quote, Jews ask for signs, and Greeks search for wisdom. But these were Hellenistic, meaning Greek, Jews, so they were heavily influenced by Greek wisdom. Because these were Hellenistic, or Greek Jews, they were heavily influenced by Greek wisdom. In the chapter after our scripture reading, Paul expands on the verses we read today about the wisdom of the world, or Greek wisdom, versus the wisdom of God. Yeah, Jordan, I'll pick up in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and it reads, And when I came to you, brethren... I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom. And later on it reads, My message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. So now that we know the speaker, the audience, and the context of our scripture reading, I think we're ready to attempt an explanation. Okay, so let's go back to chapter 1 and reread the key verse, 1 Corinthians 1.18. 
For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This verse contrasts a natural man with a spiritual man, and we find these concepts in the second chapter of this letter. Chapter 2, verse 14. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. There's that word again. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. Verse 15. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. So we see that the spiritual man is rooted in God's word, which commands the service of sharing the gospel of grace. Matthew 28, 19-20 has a version of the Great Commission again, which says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So breaking down 1 Corinthians 1.18 a little further, let's define the word of the cross statement and talk about the term gospel. Gospel, if you do the study, is an English word that comes from an older Anglo-Saxon word, Godspell. It means glad tidings or good news. Now, if you grew up hearing the Christmas story, glad tidings will sound familiar to you, of course. And right. the angel told the shepherds in scripture not to fear when they said, I bring you glad tidings of great joy. So the question is, what were those tidings? Well, Luke chapter 2, verse 11 reads, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Notice that there's three offices of Jesus in this one phrase. First, Savior, the prophet who would die for us. Next, Christ the King, born in the city of David, which is Jerusalem. And then finally, he is Lord and Master. So we see that when Israel rejected Christ as their Savior, King, and Lord, that all these glad tidings, this good news or gospel is what we call it today, about his arrival on earth went out to anyone who would listen. And you could actually study that in Matthew chapter 22 in, in the parable. Now, Paul again was made an apostle by Jesus himself, and he was given this gospel to bring primarily to the Gentiles. So what exactly was the gospel? Well, we could read that in chapter 15 of his letter. Sure. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1 says, Now I make known to you, brothers, the gospel which I proclaim to you, which you have also received, in which you also stand, by which you are also being saved, if you hold fast to the message I proclaim to you, unless you believe to no purpose. And then verse 3, For I passed on to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised up on the third day, according to the Scriptures. Look at the verb tenses of verses 1 and 2. He writes the believers at Corinth stand, that's present tense, in the gospel, and that they are also being saved by it. But it's conditional, if they hold fast to the message proclaimed. We'll talk more about this present tense and conditional salvation soon. He also connects this gospel with the word of the cross mentioned in our reading from the first chapter. So again, the question, what is the word of the cross? Well, verses 3 and 4 state that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised up on the third day according to the scriptures. So if you ever want a statement of the Christian of faith, salvation in a simple sentence, in other words, just remember 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 
verses 3 and 4. So let's get back to our scripture reading for now. Paul writes in verse 18, The word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The tense are perishing there, Andy, is in the Greek present tense and middle voice. Now, we don't have a middle voice in English. We only have active, where the subject is doing the action, or passive, where the action is being done to the subject. The middle voice is something that the subject is doing to itself, and it's unique to the Greek language. So the first group Paul mentions are people causing themselves to perish, essentially is what it means. Let's contrast that with our being saved, that phrase. That's also in the present tense, but it's in the passive voice. So the second group Paul mentions are people being saved by God. And the root verb there, the root verb of our being saved, to save, is sozo, which can be translated to preserve one who is in danger of destruction. So what could this mean? Well, right after Paul explains the gospel and the word of the cross in chapter 15, he writes something else. Andy, could you read that, please? Yes, let's pick it up in verse 50, and it reads, But I say this, brothers, that flesh and blood is not able to inherit the kingdom of God, nor can corruption inherit incorruptibility. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the blink of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For it is necessary for this perishable body to put on incorruptibility, and this mortal body to put on immortality. So here, Jordan, he's talking about the resurrection and the salvation of the body. It's necessary because, as he says, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We must be raised at the last trumpet and changed. We must receive a glorified body that is imperishable in order to inherit. Those who are not on the kingdom path are causing themselves, again, that's the, that's the tenses there, the mood, to perish because they only have their corruptible flesh. Right, Jordan, but those who are on the path are being preserved so they may receive a glorified, incorruptible body that will allow them to enter the kingdom. Which brings us to our key doctrinal point for today. Since this verse is not about justification, it is not teaching that our belief in Jesus Christ must be ongoing in order for us to avoid perishing. But what it is, is that it's an example of how the word saved or salvation can actually have different meanings. Here, it's an example of a second meaning sometimes called sanctification, or as we saw, preservation. This salvation is about making Jesus Christ the Lord or master of your life so that you might bear good fruit. We cannot bear good fruit any other way. So producing this good fruit includes the commission to share the good news of the cross, specifically to those who are perishing, which we read earlier is foolishness to them because they're not spiritually saved yet. So we as Christians must do this while here on earth with the hope of someday qualifying to enter the millennial kingdom of Jesus Christ. Unlike our salvation from hell, which is guaranteed once and for all, that salvation into the kingdom is not guaranteed, and that's the key point. As we saw in chapter 15, verse 2, it's conditional if we hold fast to the message proclaimed, which has a purpose. To finish up, let's look at the last verse of our scripture reading, Andy. 
1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 21. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. The key phrase here, again, is to save those who believe. Take a guess which salvation this verse is talking about. Well, save is sozo again. But this time, it's in the aorist tense, which is an active mood. The aorist is another thing from Greek that we don't have in English. So the tense is past tense, but without any defined duration. Right. So you might say it's a finished work, a once for all type of thing. And that, of course, means that it's talking about justification or salvation of the spirit. Meanwhile, the word translated believe is in the present tense, active mood. That means the believer is continuing to believe. So a better translation of verse 21 might be, God was well pleased through the message preached, that is the gospel, to save once and for all those who believed and are continuing to believe. And that means it's also talking about salvation of the soul. So it's a trick question that you asked, Andy. This verse is really about both salvations. Yeah, Jordan. And this letter to the Corinthians, as we have shown in today's message, is actually about more than two salvations. If you have any doubt about this, all you have to do is read down to verse 30. There the Apostle Paul writes, But by his doing, in other words, by grace, not works, you are in Christ Jesus, who Jesus became to us wisdom from God, and righteousness, that's your justification, and sanctification, or as we mentioned earlier, preservation, and redemption, that's the resurrection. So in one verse, Andy, we see three salvations or the salvation of all three parts of man, salvation of the spirit, salvation of the soul, and salvation of the body. These three salvations are critical to understand if you, the listener, want to unlock the true meaning of the scriptures and avoid being misled by false teachers or falling into doctrinal error. All right, Jordan. So to close up today, I'd like to go back to our scriptural reading. And uh, 1 Corinthians, again, it's 1 Corinthians 1, 18 to 21. And like we usually do, I'd like to ask you a question. Tell our listeners how you feel that these verses today still actually have resonance in, in today's day and age, in America, in the world, where we have atheists who are more and more, you know, looking like the clever ones, the wise ones in this age. And... Christians are kind of looked down upon, they're kind of condescended as if being maybe a dreamer or, you know, believing in this old superstitious religion. Yeah, but they're, you know, we're a bunch of homeschool people from Kansas who just want to throw out all science. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the, the verses that really jumped out at me are 19 and 20. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? You know, where I see it, back then, of course, it was Greek philosophy, and today that seems very antiquated to us today, you know, Socrates and all those guys. Sure. Today, you know, it's I think it's more about this sort of super smart tech type person. And we talked about a little bit off radio uh, about this idea. For example, like the big thing today is artificial intelligence. So you have all these really, really smart people who have all these theories about how we're going to create, essentially, we're going to create God. Man will create God. They completely invert it from an atheistic point of view. Man came from nowhere apparently, and will eventually create God in the form of a runaway artificial intelligence that will become godlike and maybe will merge with that godlike thing. And I think, you know, 
when I well, obviously when I put it that way, I make it sound foolish because to God it must be foolish. You know, God is the super intelligence that created us, the dumb human being. So I think that's where we're seeing it more is on the technology side, particularly people who come from an atheist background in technology, that they're sort of the new wisdom of the wise and. And, uh, you know, like I said, God must laugh at them. Yeah, and, you know, atheists today are just trying to justify a way to not seek after God, right, right? or an ultimate creator. And, um, you know, one of the things that also jumps out to me, Jordan, is that, you know, in that scripture in verse 20, God is saying, where is the debater of this age? So when the time comes and when all the prophecy comes to fruition, that's mentioned in Revelation of what will happen upon the earth, that's when all this wisdom that man claims he has and all this cleverness and intelligence will really be for naught. And that's where God really gets to shine and shows forth his glory. And us humble, simple Christians will actually be the ones that one day will be looked at as the ones who were the wise ones. And, and that's, again, by God's grace. And that's our lesson, which means we have just a few minutes to explain our initiative, Get 20, Give 20. Get 20 is our reminder that you can get a 20-minute Bible study anytime you like by visiting our website. We archive all lessons and make them available for free at 20minutebiblestudies.org. You can listen online or download them for later or even subscribe to the podcast version and have new lessons automatically delivered to your favorite smart device. Even more important, our website is the place where you can join in our Bible studies by sharing your comments and asking any questions you may have. And we have a growing Facebook community and a discussion forum. When you're on our site, you should also sign up for email alerts so we can let you know when new lessons have been added. Also, when you sign up for email alerts, our first email back to you will include a link to a special series we put together titled 10 Mind-Blowing Things You Didn't Know Were in the Bible. It's an eye-opening set of Bible lessons, and it's our little thank you for joining our online community. It's all online at 20minutebiblestudies.org. Or, if you don't want to type so much, 20mbs.org will get you there faster. Moving on to Give 20. This is our special initiative to reach as many spiritually hungry Christians as we can. We know so many Christians find it hard to make time to study God's Word and then feel guilty they're unable to do it. Studying the Word of God is so vital to our spiritual growth, and yet it can be so hard sometimes to find a good study group and then attend that group on a regular basis. This is why we created 20-Minute Bible Studies. Everyone can find 20 minutes for God, and now, with this audio program, that's all Christians will need. They can listen to a Bible study whenever and wherever they like. The Give 20 initiative is your chance to participate in this great ministry and receive the special blessings that come from spreading God's Word. By giving just $20 per month, you can help us create more lessons and reach more believers than ever before. Plus, we pledge that every cent you contribute will go directly toward recording and broadcasting more lessons like the one you heard today. And since our ministry is an official nonprofit registered with the government, your donation is also fully tax deductible. To join our Give 20 initiative, visit 20mbs.org and click Donate. And finally, 20-Minute Bible Studies is a ministry of Mysteries of the Kingdom a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating Christians in preparation for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you liked what you heard today and want to go deeper into God's Word, we strongly recommend you visit the website of Mysteries of the Kingdom, MOTK.org. Yes, these radio studies are just 20 minutes, but our MOTK lessons last as long as needed to fully understand whatever passage of Scripture we're studying. 
So if you're interested in learning more about what you heard today, you'll definitely want to check out our in-depth, multi-part studies, which are available for free at MOTK.org. Thank you so much for your 20 minutes. I'm Andy Baylog. And I'm Jordan Pine. May God bless you. Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple, to the Abundant Life Worship Center for the music for our show, and to Tom Pine for our scripture reading. I'm Steve Zioli, and until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. All rates reserved, Mysteries of the Kingdom Incorporated.